And now, the conclusion of exile. Chapter 25. Consequences. Matron Malice could not even scream her denial. A thousand explosions pounded her brain when Zach Nefane went into the acid lake. A thousand realizations of impending and unavoidable disaster. She leaped from her stone throne, her slender hands twisted and clenching in the air, as though she were trying to find something tangible to grasp, something that wasn't there. Her breath rasped in labored gasps, the wordless snarls issued from her gulping mouth. After a moment in which she could not calm herself, Malice heard one sound more clearly than the din of her own contortions. Behind her came the slight hiss of the small, wicked snakeheads of a high priestess's whip. Malice spun about, and there stood Breeza, her face grimly and determinedly set, and her whip's six living snakeheads waving in the air. I had hoped that my time of ascension would be many years away, the eldest daughter said calmly. But you are weak, Malice, too weak to hold House to Arden together in the trials that follow are your failure. Malice wanted to laugh in the face of her daughter's foolishness. Snake-headed whips were personal gifts from the Spider Queen and could not be used against matron mothers. For some reason, though, Malice could not find the courage or conviction to refute her daughter at that moment. She watched, mesmerized, as Breeze's arms slowly reared back and then shot forward. The six snakeheads uncoiled toward Malice. It was impossible. It went against all tenets of Loth's doctrine. The fanged heads came on eagerly and dived into Malice's flesh with all the Spider Queen's fury behind them. Searing agony coursed through Malice's body, jolting and racking her and leaving an icy numbness in its wake. Malice teetered on the brink of consciousness, trying to hold firmly against her daughter, trying to show Breeza the futility and stupidity of continuing this attack. The snake whip snapped again, and the floor rushed up to swallow Malice. Breeza muttered something, Malice heard, some curse or chant to the Spider Queen. Then came a third crack, and Malice knew nothing more. She was dead before the fifth strike. But Breeza pounded on for many minutes, venting her fury to let the Spider Queen be assured that House Duarden truly had forsaken its failing matron mother. By the time Dinan, unexpectedly and unannounced, burst into the room, Breeza had settled comfortably into the stone throne. The elder boy glanced over at the mother's battered body, then back to Breeza. His head shaking in disbelief and a wide, knowing grin splayed across his face. "'What have you done, sis, uh, matron Breeza?' Dinan asked, catching his slip of the tongue before Breeza could react to it. "'Zincarla has failed,' Breeza growled as she glared at him. "'Loth would no longer accept malice.' Dinan's laughter, which seemed founded in sarcasm, cut to the marrow of Breeza's bones. Her eyes narrowed further and let Dinan see her hand clearly as it moved down to the hilt of her whip. "'You have chosen the perfect moment for ascension,' the elder boy explained calmly, apparently not at all worried that Breeza would punish him. "'We are under attack.' "'Fay Branche!' Breeza cried, springing excitedly from her seat. 
Five minutes in the throne as matron mother, and already Breeza faced her first test. She would prove herself to the Spider Queen and redeem House Duarden from much of the damage that Malice's failures had caused. No, sister, Didin said quickly without pretense. Not House Febranche. Her brother's cool response put Breeza back in the throne and twisted her grin of excitement into a grimace of pure dread. Ben Ray. Dinan, too, no longer smiled. Verna and Maya looked out from House Duarden's balcony to the approaching forces beyond the adamantite gate. The sisters did not know their enemy, as Dinan had, but they understood from the sheer size of the force that some great house was involved. Still, House Duarden boasted 250 soldiers, many trained by Zack Nefane himself, with 200 more well-trained and well-armed troops on loan from Matron Ben Ray. Both Verna and Maya figured that their chances were not so bad. They quickly outlined defense strategies, and Maya swung one leg over the balcony railing, meaning to descend to the courtyard and relay the plans to her captains. Of course, when she and Verna suddenly realized that they had 200 enemies already within their gates, enemies they had accepted on loan from Machen Ben Ray, their plans meant little. Maya still straddled the railing when the first Ben Ray soldiers came up on the balcony. Verna drew her whip and cried for Maya to do the same, but Maya was not moving, and Verna, on closer inspection, noticed several tiny darts protruding from her sister's body. Verna's own snake-headed whip turned on her then, its fangs slicing across her delicate face. Verna understood at once that House Duarden's downfall had been decreed by Loth herself. Zincarla, Verna mumbled, realizing the source of the disaster. Blood blurred her vision, and a wave of dizziness overtook her as darkness closed in all about her. "'This cannot be!' Breeza cried. "'House Ben Ray attacks? Loth has not given me! We had our chance!' Dinan yelled at her. "'Zach Nefane was our chance!' Dinan looked at his mother's torn body. "'And the Wraith has failed, I would assume.' Breeza growled and lashed out her whip. Didn't expect the strike, though. He knew Breeza so very well, and he darted beyond the weapon's range. Breeza took another step toward him. "'Does your anger require more enemies?' Dinan asked, swords in hand. "'Go out to the balcony, dear sister, where you would find a thousand awaiting you.' Breeza cried out in frustration, but turned away from Dinan and rushed from the room, hoping to salvage something out of this terrible predicament. Dinan did not follow. He stooped over Matron Malice and looked one final time into the eyes of the tyrant who had ruled his entire life. Malice had been a powerful figure, confident and wicked. But how fragile her rule had proved, broken by the antics of a renegade child. Dinan heard a commotion out in the corridor, and the anteroom door swung open wide. The elder boy did not have to look to know the enemies were in the room. He continued to stare at his dead mother, knowing that he soon would share the same fate. The expected blow did not fall, however, and several agonizing moments later, Dinan dared to glance back over his shoulder. Jarlaxle sat comfortably on the stone throne. "'You are not surprised?' the mercenary asked, noting that Dinan's expression did not change. "'Brag and the Arth were among the Benray troops. Perhaps all of the Benray troops,' Dinan said casually." He covertly glanced around the room at the dozen or so soldiers who had followed Jarlaxle in. If only he could get to the mercenary leader before they killed him, Dinan thought. 
Watching the death of the treacherous Darlaxle might bring some measure of satisfaction to this whole disaster. Observant, Darlaxle said to him. I hold to my suspicions that you knew all along that your house was doomed. If Zincarla failed, Dinan replied. And you knew it would? the mercenary asked, almost rhetorically. Dinan nodded. Ten years ago, he began, wondering why he was telling all this to Jarlaxel. I watched as Zach Nefane was sacrificed to the Spider Queen. Rarely has any house in all of Menzibaranzen seen a greater waste. The weapons master of House Duarden had a mighty reputation, the mercenary put in. Well earned, do not doubt, replied Dinan. Then, Drizzt, my brother, ah, another mighty warrior. Again, Dinan nodded. Drizzt deserted us with war at our gates. Matron Malice's miscalculation could not be ignored. I knew that House Duarden was doomed. Your house defeated House Sonnet, no small feat, reasoned Jarlaxle. Only with the house of Bregan the Arth, Dinan corrected. For most of my life I have watched House Tuarden, under Matron Malice's steady guidance, ascend through the city hierarchy. Every year our power and influence grew. For the last decade, though, I have seen us spiral down. I've watched the foundations of House Tuarden crumble. The structure had to follow the descent. As wise as you are skilled with the blade, the mercenary remarked. I have said that before of Dinan Duarden and it seems that I am proved correct once again. If I have pleased you, I ask one favor, Dinan said, rising to his feet. Grant it, if you will. Kill you quickly and without pain? Jarlaxel asked through a widening smile. Dinan nodded for the third time. No, Jarlaxel said simply. Not understanding, Dinan brought his sword flashing up and ready. I will not kill you at all, Jarlaxle explained. Dinan kept his sword up high and studied the mercenary's face, looking for some hint of his intent. I am a noble of the house, Dinan said, a witness to the attack. No house elimination is complete if nobles remain alive. A witness, Jarlaxle laughed, against House Ben Ray. To what gain? Dinan's sword drooped low. "'Then what is my fate?' he asked. "'Will Machen Ben Ray take me in?' Dinan's tone showed that he was not excited about the possibility. "'Machen Ben Ray has little use for males,' Jarlaxel explained. "'If any of your sisters survive, I believe the one named Verna has, they may find themselves in Machen Ben Ray's chapel.' But the withered old mother of House Benray would never see the value of such a male as Dinan, I fear. Then what? Dinan demanded. I know your value, Jarlaxel stated casually. He led Dinan's gaze around the concurring grins of his troops. Bregan de Arth? Dinan balked. Me? A noble? To become a rogue? Quicker than Dinan's eye could follow. Jarlaxa whipped a dagger into the body at his feet. The blade buried itself up to the hilt in Malice's back. A rogue or a corpse, Jarlaxel casually explained. It was not so difficult a choice.
A few days later, Jarlaxle and Dinan looked back under the ruined adamantite gate of House Tuarden. Once it had stood so proud and strong, with its intricate carvings of spiders and the two formidable stalagmite pillars that served as guard towers. How fast it changed, Dinan remarked. I see all my former life before me, yet it is all gone. Forget what has gone before, Jarlaxel suggested. The mercenary Slywink told Dinan that he had something specific in mind as he completed the thought. Except that which may aid you in your future. Dinan did a quick visual inspection of himself and the ruins. My battle gear? he asked, fishing for Jarlaxel's intent. My training. Your brother. Drizzed? Again, the cursed name reared up, bringing anguish to Dinan. It would seem that there is still the matter of Drizzt to Arden to be reconciled, Charlaxel explained. He's a high prize in the eyes of the Spider Queen. Drizzt? Dinan asked again, hardly believing Charlaxel's words. Why are you so surprised? Charlaxel asked. Your brother is still alive. Else, why was Matron Malice brought down? What house could be interested in him? Dinan asked bluntly. Another mission for Matron Ben Ray? Charlaxel's laugh belittled him. Bragandioth may act without the guidance or the purse of a recognized house, he replied. You plan to go after my brother. It may be the perfect opportunity for Dinan to show his value to my little family, said Jarlaxle to no one in particular. Who better to catch the renegade that brought down House Duarden? Your brother's value increased many times over with the failure of Zincarla. I have seen what Drizzt has become, said Dinan. The cost will be great. My resources are limitless, Jarlaxel answered smugly, and no cost is too high if the gain is higher. The eccentric mercenary was silent for a while, allowing Dinan's gaze to linger over the ruins of his once proud house. No, Dinan said suddenly. Jarlaxel turned a wary eye on him. I'll not go after Drizzt, Dinan explained. You serve Jarlaxel, the master of Bragg and the Arth, the mercenary calmly reminded him. As I once served Malice, the matron of House Duarden, Dinan replied with equal calm. I would not venture out again after Drizzt for my mother, he looked at Jarlaxel squarely, unafraid of the consequences. And I shall not do it again for you. Jarlaxle spent a long moment studying his companion. Normally the mercenary leader would not tolerate such brazen insubordination, but Dinan was sincere and adamant, beyond doubt. Jarlaxle had accepted Dinan into Bragandiarth because he valued the elder boy's experience and skill. He could not now readily dismiss Dinan's judgment. "'I could have put you to a slow death,' Jarlaxle replied, more to see Dinan's reaction than to make any promises." He had no intention of destroying one as valuable as Dinan. No worse than the death and disgrace I could find at Drizzt's hands, Dinan answered calmly. 
Another long moment passed as Jarlaxle considered the implications of Dinan's words. Perhaps Bregandiarth should rethink its plans for hunting the renegade. Perhaps the price would prove too high. "'Come, my soldier,' Jarlaxle said at length. "'Let us return to our home, to the streets, where we might learn what adventures our futures hold.'" Chapter 26 Lights in the Ceiling Belwar ran along the walkways to get to his friend. Driz did not watch the Shrifnelin's approach. He kneeled on the narrow bridge, looking down to the bubbling spot in the green lake where Zach Nefane had fallen. The acid sputtered and rolled. The scorched hilt of a sword came up into view, then disappeared under the opaque veil of green. He was there all along, Drow whispered to Belwar. My father. A mighty chance you took, Dark Elf, the Burrow Warden replied. Maga Kamara, when you put your blades away, I thought he would surely strike you down. He was there all along, Drizzt said again. He looked up at his Shrepnibblin friend. You showed me that. Belwar screwed up his face in confusion. The spirit cannot be separated from the body, Drizzt tried to explain. Not in life. He looked back to the ripples in the acid lake. And not in undeath. In my years alone in the wilds, I'd lost myself, so I believed. But you showed me the truth. The heart of Drizzt was never gone from this body, and so I knew it to be true with Zack Nefane. Other forces were involved this time, remarked Belwar. I would not have been so certain. You did not know Zach Nefane, Drizzt retorted. He rose to his feet, the moisture rimming his lavender eyes, diminished by the sincere smile that widened across his face. I did. Spirit, not muscles, guides a warrior's blades. And only he who was truly Zach Nefane could move with such grace. The moment of crisis gave Zach Nefane the strength to resist my mother's will. And you gave him the moment of crisis? reasoned Belwar. Defeat Matron Malice, or kill his own son. Belwar shook his bald head and crinkled up his nose. Mega Kamara! But you are brave, Dark Elf, he shot Drizzt a wink. Or stupid. Neither, replied Drizzt. I only trusted in Zach Nefane. He looked back to the acid lake and said no more. Belwar fell silent and waited patiently while Drizzt finished his private eulogy. When Drizzt finally looked away from the lake, Belwar motioned for the drow to follow and started off down the walkway. Come, the burrow warden said over his shoulder. Witness the truth of our slain friend. Drizzt thought the peck a beautiful thing. A beauty inspired by the peaceful smile that at last had found its way onto its tormented friend's face. He and Belwar said a few words, mumbled a few hopes to whatever gods might be listening, and gave clacker to the acid lake, thinking it a preferable fate to the bellies of the carrion creatures that roamed the underdark corridors. Drizzt and Belwar set off again alone, as they had been when they first departed the Swerfneblin city, and arrived in Blingenstone a few days later. The guards at the city's mammoth gates, though obviously thrilled, seemed confused at their return. 
They allowed the two companions entrance on the Burrow Warden's promise that he would go straight off and inform King Schnicktick. This time he will let you stay, Dark Elf, Belwar said to Drizzt. You beat the monster. He left Drizzt in his house, vowing that he would return soon with welcome news. Drizzt wasn't so sure of any of it. Zach Nefane's final warning that Major Mellis would never give up her hunt remained clearly in his thoughts, and he could not deny the truth. Much had happened in the ten days that he and Belwar had been out of Blindenstone, but none of it, as far as Drizzt knew, diminished the very real threat to the Srifneblin city. Drizzt had only agreed to follow Belwar back to Blindenstone because it seemed a proper first step to the plan he had decided upon. How long shall we battle, Matron Malice? Drizzt asked the blank stone wall when the Burrow Warden was gone. He needed to hear his reasoning spoken aloud, to convince himself beyond doubt that his decision had been a wise one. Neither gains in the conflict, but that is the way of the drow, is it not? Drizzt fell back into one of the stools beside the little table and considered the truth of his words. You will hunt me, to your ruin or to mine, blinded by the hatred that rules your life. There can be no forgiveness in Menza Baranzen. That would go against the edict of your foul spider queen. And this is the Underdark, your world of shadows and gloom. But it is not all the world, Matron Malice, and I shall see how long your evil arms can reach. Drizzt sat silent for many minutes, remembering his first lessons at the Drow Academy. He tried to find some clue that would lead him to believe that the stories of the surface world were no more than lies. The master's depictions of the Drow Academy had been perfected over centuries and were infallibly complete. Drizzt soon came to realize that he simply would have to trust his own feelings. When Belwar returned, grim-faced, a few hours later, Drizzt's resolve was firm. Stubborn, orc-brained, the burrow warden gnashed his teeth as he crossed through the stone door. Drizzt stopped him with a heartfelt laugh. They will not hear of you staying. Belwar yelled at him, trying to steal his mirth. Did you truly expect otherwise? Driz asked him. My fight is not over, dear Belwar. Do you believe that my family could be so easily defeated? We will go back out, Belwar growled, moving over to take a stool near Drizzt. My generous, the word dripped of sarcasm. King agreed that you could remain in the city for a ten-day, a single ten-day. When I leave, I leave alone, Drizzt interrupted. He pulled the Ankh's figurine out of his pouch and reconsidered his words. Almost alone. We had this argument before, Dark Elf, Belwar reminded him. That was different. Was it? retorted the Burrow Warden. Will you survive any better alone in the wilds of the Underdark now than you did before? Have you forgotten the burden of loneliness? I'll not be alone in the Underdark, Driz replied. Back to your homeland you mean to go? Belwar cried, leaping to his feet and sending his stool skidding across the stone. No, never, Driz laughed. Never will I return to Menzuberanzen, unless it is at the end of Matron Malice's chains. The Burrow Warden retrieved his seat and eased back into it. Neither will I remain in the Underdark, Driz explained. This is Malice's world, 
more fitting to the dark heart of a true drow. Belwar began to understand, but he couldn't believe what he was hearing. "'What are you saying?' he demanded. "'Where do you mean to go?' "'The surface,' Driz replied evenly. Belwar leaped up again, sending his stool bouncing even farther across the floor. "'I was up there once,' Driz continued, undaunted by the reaction. He calmed the surf neblin with a determined gaze. "'I partook of a drow massacre. Only the actions of my companions bring pain to my memories of that journey.' The sense of the wide world and the cool feel of the wind bring no dread to my heart. The surface, Belwar muttered, his head lowered and his voice almost a groan. Mega Kamara, never did I plan to travel there. It is not the place of a Svirfneblin, Belwar pounded the table suddenly and looked up, a determined smile on his face. But if Trist will go... Then Belwar will go by his side. Drizzt will go alone, the draw replied. As you just said, the surface is not the place of a Svirfneblin. Nor a drow, the deep gnome added pointedly. I do not fit the usual expectations of drow, Drizzt retorted. My heart is not their heart, and their home is not mine. How far must I walk through the endless tunnels to be free of my family's hatred? And if, in fleeing Menzaberanzan, I chance upon another of the great Dark Elf cities, Chednasan, or some similar place, will those drow too take up the hunt to fulfill the Spider Queen's desires that I be slain? No, Belvoir. I will find no peace in the close ceilings of this world. You, I fear would never be content removed from the stone of the Underdark. Your place is here, a place of deserved honor among your people. Belwar sat quietly for a long time, digesting all that Drizzt had said. He would follow Drizzt willingly if Drizzt desired it so. But he truly did not wish to leave the Underdark. Belwar could raise no argument against Drizzt's desires to go. A Dark Elf would find many trials up on the surface, Belwar knew, but would they outweigh the pains Drizzt would experience here in the Underdark? Belwar reached into a deep pocket and took out the light-giving brooch. "'Take this, Dark Elf,' he said softly, flipping it to Drizzt. "'And do not forget me.' "'Never for a single day in all the centuries of my future,' Drizzt promised. "'Never once.' The ten day passed all too quickly for Belwar, who was reluctant to see his friend go. The Borough Warden knew that he would never look upon Drizzt again. But he also knew that Drizzt's decision was a sound one. As a friend, Belwar took it upon himself to see that Drizzt had the best chance of success. He took the drow to the finest provisioners in all of Blingenstone and paid for the supplies out of his own pocket. Belwar then procured an even greater gift for Drizzt. Deep gnomes had traveled to the surface on occasion, and King Schnicktick possessed several copies of rough maps leading out of the Underdark Tunnels. "'The journey will take you many ten days,' Belwar said to Drizzt when he handed him the rolled parchment. "'But I fear that never would you find your way at all without this.' Drizzt's hands trembled as he unrolled the map. It was true he now dared to believe. 
he was indeed going to the surface. He wanted to tell Balwar at that moment to come along. How could he say goodbye to his dear friend? But principles had carried Drizzt this far in his travels, and principles demanded that he not be selfish now. He walked out of Blindenstone the next day, promising Balwar that if he ever came this way again, he would return to visit. Both of them knew he would never return. Miles and days passed uneventfully. Sometimes Drizzt held the magical brooch Belwar had given him high. Sometimes he walked in quiet darkness. Whether coincidence or kind fate, he met no monsters along the course laid out on the rough map. Few things had changed in the Underdark, and though the parchment was old, even ancient, the trail was easily followed. Shortly after breaking camp, on the thirty-third day out of Blingdenstone, Drizzt felt a lightning in the air, a sensation of that cold and vast wind he so vividly remembered. He pulled the ox figurine from his pouch and summoned Gwenhyra to his side. Together they walked on anxiously, expecting the ceiling to disappear around every bend. They came into a small cave, and the darkness beyond the distant archway was not nearly as gloomy as the darkness beyond them. Drizzt held his breath and led Gwenhyra out. Stars twinkled through the broken clouds of the night sky. The moon's silvery light splayed out in a duller glow behind one large cloud, and the wind howled a mountain song. Drizzt was high up in the realms, perched on the side of a tall mountain in the midst of a mighty range. He minded not at all the bite of the breeze, but stood very still for a long time and watched the meandering clouds pass him on their slow aerial trek to the moon. Gwenhyber stood beside him, unjudging, and Driz knew the panther always would. And that concludes Exile, the second book in the Legend of Drizzt series. I would like to thank all of you who have decided to go on this journey with me, and I hope you stick around, because very soon I will be starting the third book, Sojourn. Until then, may your travels be safe.